0: Musical Theater Writer Guy is recorded as a YouTube channel series on Muncie Lenape and Canarsie Lands. The audio from each episode is also released here in podcast form. To watch or to learn more, please find us on YouTube or through my website at michaelratty.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-R-A-D-I dot com. Enjoy the show.
1: Let's say that there's like three directors who are all like, Oh, they seem very smart. And I have, and I like what they do. Like choose the person that you feel like you, a want to spend the most time with because it really does become an intimate relationship. Um, and B who like you leave your interactions with them feeling good, you know, um, because they are going to say things that you don't necessarily want to hear, or they're going to say things that are going to cause you to have to go and do work. you know and 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 obviously trust takes time to build but Mm -hmm. like it's it's just important to to find someone who you feel gets you Mm. um something I always say to writers is like this is not I did not write this this is yours um I'm gonna work with you to, to try to make this the best thing that It can be. Hi, everybody, and
0: welcome back to Writer Real Talk, the interview series where I sit down with autists of all varieties who work with writers in the industry. And today we have on Jen Weinman, a director choreographer whom I adore. We met um, in fall of 2019. Uh, when you were the director for the King's Legacy industry reading at the Dramatist Guild, which was a blast, and you were quite pregnant at the time, <laughs> and not <None> anymore, <laughs> not <nothing> anymore, <laughs> and it was so good. I had such a great time working with Jen. She's so freaking smart. So please, everyone, welcome Jen Weinman. Hey, Hello. thank Thank oh, you for
1: having me, Michael.
0: Thank you for being here. It's so lovely to see your face every time I see your face. So this is great that I get you exclusively to myself. Ha <laughs> ha ha. Um, for the audience who will not likely know you, or maybe they do and they don't know that they know you. Could you I uh let us know who you are, how you identify as an artist, what kind of work you do, and what things they might actually know you from. Cool.
1: Well, um, I'm Jen, as you said, uh, pronouns she, her. I'm a director and choreographer. I do mostly new work. um, And a a thing that people may know of that has kind of been around a lot has been uh, Dog Man the Musical, which I Mm -hmm. uh, was with since the very beginning of it. Um, And it's been in New York and it's been all over the country. And uh, so anyone with any kind of child in their life may have seen this show already um that's something and then I I work out of town a lot so um that's uh one of my my new goals post-pandemic is be in the city more
0: yes always a good goal and you've done plenty here too because sure. well you've done a lot of work period um <laughs> you are one of the most prolific directors I've ever met
1: that's so. very nice of you to say the pandemic yeah. has changed my view of that, um, but hopefully things will, you know, as things are picking up and life is getting a little bit more back to normal, hopefully I'll, I'll feel that momentum that I felt so strongly in the beginning of 2022 when I said, this is going to be my year. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that.
0: <laughs> we all had a lot of hopes, didn't we?
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. Well, let me ask you about that since we're on uh, um, that idea of how much work there is or isn't right now. Have you found that the, the landscape is opening up at all at the moment, especially where directors and choreographers are? I do
1: feel like that's starting to happen because at first there was all the shows that got canceled or were like backlogged in theater right. seasons that that they were like, okay, well, we, we're either gonna do the ones that got canceled outright, or we're gonna let those go and then do the ones that we were gonna be doing next Mm -hmm. and so there was a lot of just nothing uh except for things that were already contracted and and then uh now it's starting to feel like people are moving forward yeah Um, so you know which is great so offers are happening and meetings are happening and pitching things is happening again and and the the mood feels different um And I I just heard um, actually on NPR the other day that like the Broadway receipts are like going up and up and up, um, not at pre-pandemic levels, but like nearly. Um, So, you know, fingers crossed.
0: (laughs) Okay. I mean, that's great to hear. We have a lot of discussions in the community about how the backlog really affected writers, like. There were conversations where I would be talking to someone who's an artistic director of a theater and they'd be like, great, come back to me in two years. Yep. We have all of these obligations to fulfill first. It's like,
1: yeah,
0: right. So it's good to hear that things are beginning to move. I think that's going to hearten a lot of writers out there.
1: That's the feeling I'm getting. But um, again, who, what do I know?
0: <laughs> what do you, <laughs> any of us know? I mean, it's so specific per theater and... Yeah, at least people are able to be in a theater space together and and work can happen. Yeah. After a long time of work not happening, it feels good. I just did
1: a two-week workshop and nobody got COVID for oh. two whole weeks. Oh not on So
0: Wow. Yeah. No one got COVID
1: the nobody. whole time. That's so rare. <laughs> I tried my best, but it didn't happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, well, I'm so glad that you made it through without. That's really wonderful. Uh did you want to talk about what that reading was at all? or Sure. We...
1: It was a new musical called Starting Up, uh, book music and lyrics by Garrett Press, uh, a yeah. hilarious writer out of the BMI workshop, and he kind of comes from the improv musical theater world. So funny. And he spent 10 years working in the startup industry, we'll just say, we won't name any names, but okay. he has written this musical based on his experience in that world. And it is very, very funny. And for my husband, who also <laughs> works in that world, uh, triggering in a very good way. <laughs> oh, sounds <laughs> delightful. Real, but very silly. And uh, it's a great show. It really lets me flex my muscles creatively and comedically.
0: Mm-hmm. And you do comedy so very well.
1: Oh, thank you. It is my favorite place to live. I, I love it because if the audience is laughing, you know right away if something's working. And, and my favorite time is previews because you just get to sit there and be like, okay, that joke, that joke lands every time, check mark. That one, mm, I got to tweak it, got to tweak it. You know, so whether it's the writing or my staging of it or, you know, whatever it is. Like, uh-huh. and I know there are a lot of directors who hate comedy for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, that's, it's the best. It's just to have instant information.
0: Yeah. You, even you just talking about that, like as someone who who doesn't write comedy, like as my biggest thing. Uh, that started to give me a little anxiety. I was like, "Oh god, <laughs> the previews! but finding out if jokes are landing? It's so terrifying."
1: Right, because once you're in rehearsal, everyone's heard the jokes, and so you might laugh when something new happens. But man, it's it's so hard um, yeah. after once you're in that third week, and everybody knows the jokes, and then the designers come, and they're all just taking their notes for their you know for their lighting plot and not listening to the punchlines. <laughs> and you're like, "Oh no, is this funny?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's that moment where everything feels either brilliant or awful, and you're not sure where it's gonna go.
1: Yeah, I love I
0: love that. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, since since this is a channel mostly dedicated toward musical theater writers, I do have to ask you: uh, Is there a a particular musical theater writer or style of musical theater writing that you particularly gravitate toward? You know,
1: um, I. Like my, my show that was everything to me when I was, well, when I was a child, it was Les Mis. When I was um, in college and high school a little bit, it was, it was rent.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so for me, even though like, I was obviously not like a heroin addicted, like squatter living in the East village in any way, I somehow was like, this show is about me. I get it. It's speaking to me. I feel that I don't want to pay rent either. You know, like I just, it just grabbed my heart in this way. And, you know, I'd always loved uh, like Tommy and like kind of rock operas. And so for me, hearing music that sounded a little bit like what I like to listen to outside of theater, Mm -hmm. being okay on stage, I was like, oh, I love musicals in a new way. It's not a thing from my childhood. It's a thing from my adulthood. You know, um, maybe I'm gonna make musicals. Like, uh-huh. it just that—that that was the one that grabbed me. Um, and I would say that, you know, I've always loved Sondheim, and I think in particular the thing that I love about Sondheim is the cleverness of the lyrics. And so that has always stayed. That I, I, I find excellent lyric writing to be, like magician level wizardry. Um, I can't write lyrics as hard as I might ever try. Um, I, I have good ideas about what the lyrics should cover when I'm working on something, but I just cannot write them at all. And I think it's magic. And so, so people who have that ability, I just like respect so much. And so I'd say I always love things with great lyrics, mm-hmm. and I always love things that are pushing the boundary a little bit about what a, a musical can be. Um, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily love. I'm, I'm not like a necessarily a huge golden age of musical person, you know, sure. as much as I might love to go and see a great production, that's not necessarily what I want to be doing. Um, mm-hmm. I love people taking all forms of music and, and seeing how they work on stage. Um, not just things that might typically sound musical. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: It does. very so much. long
1: way to answer your question. Not at <laughs> all.
0: Actually, I've got questions off your answer, but I mean, just quickly, though, I think something that's so beautiful about that is what you were saying about that way in into musical theater in adulthood with the the rock sounds of of Tommy and Rent and seeing that on stage and how those art forms can like come together being that way in, I think is so undervalued in the musical theater community, which is too bad. I, I think it's one of the reasons that Hamilton is such a success. It, it bred a whole new generation of people who love musical theater because it was mainstream music on a stage. And whenever that happens, I think that is truly magical.
1: Yeah. And it's really hard to write pop songs. So <laughs> writing songs that are catchy in that kind of way is really hard. Yeah. Um, and and amazing when it when it happens. Yeah, I, but I'm not. I'm not somebody who just loves any show where people are singing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have music actually has to be good, right? Um, for me, and and obviously, good can mean a lot of things, but um, compelling and exciting, and perhaps doing something new.
0: Yes, yeah. So let's go to that piece for a second. So what you said, doing something new, you also said something that kind of pushes the bounds of what musical theater can be. Um. Uh, I'm kind of going off script here but if you were to be let's say pitched a musical by a set of writers who are looking for a director and choreographer and or or both um, what do you look for for yourself like in a script that that has that little push of boundary that's something that would be interesting to you
1: so it's pretty much the same whether it's a straight play a play with music or a musical like if when I read it and listen to the music or just read it if it's not a musical if I can like kind of visualize a production as I'm reading it then I know it's like pricking my imagination in particular uh, as opposed to if I'm reading it and I'm just sort of seeing the movie of it or I'm picturing the characters in like real locations Ah. in my head if it doesn't like feel theatrical to me instantly that I know it's probably not for me. Interesting. Um, so that's sort of like a baseline. And then when we add to it, if I'm like like find myself grooving along with the music and I want to keep hearing it, you know, and I and I'm like, oh, that, you know, like, okay, there's a hook there. You know, then I then I keep going. And I can't define what that is. Um, but it's sort of like you, you know, I know it when I hear it. Um <laughs> If it's interesting and exciting and not just like kind of recycling similar melodies to things that we've heard a million times. And yeah. Yeah. And I because I do comedy, I find that a lot of the time in funny musicals, there is a little bit of a wink or like a sending up of of classic tropes and things like that. And I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah.
0: And hmm. You know, I don't think I've ever actually asked you that question before, but I've been curious <laughs> because I knew your resume when I yeah. reached out to you about King's Legacy. I was like, yeah. this isn't really a fit for your resume. Like no. the majority of stuff you you do isn't that. And when you said yes, I was so pleasantly surprised. Well,
1: the music was beautiful. Oh, That's the thing. You. and And because I grew up like in choirs and stuff and singing madrigals and things i had this like oh wait this is like old timey in a way that i i actually have a big appreciation for and there aren't a lot of musicals that sound like that that's true so you know it Mm. it doesn't have to be a rock opera for me to like it um it just has to be like interesting
0: yeah and grab you in some way whatever that thing is
2: Mm mm-hmm
0: Now, I also want to ask about what you said about lyrics, because lyrics being of import to you, I think is great. I, oh, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with people who are production team members who are like, oh, yeah, I don't even think about the lyrics very much. Like, ah, as a writer, no, (laughs) help me. So, um... Obviously good can mean a lot of things, but you say that you look for things that have good lyrics. What what is it in lyric writing that that tends to like get you?
1: Um when I feel like a song is really pushing the story forward
0: mm-hmm.
1: and not just rehashing the thing that the scene just did. That yes. for me, that, you know, and then and then inside that, I love a clever rhyme, I love you know, internal rhyme, I love being like, oh, I never thought about that word rhyming with that work. And then I, and then I feel very smart for getting it, you know, <laughs> um, again, because I can't write those lyrics. I'm so impressed. And then I'm somehow weirdly impressed with myself for like hearing it, <laughs> which is weird. Um, oh, but yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, it to so about the fun. story
1: and not just, oh, this is a nice song. And so I feel yeah, right. like something that happens a lot when I work with with writers is um is I, I think I'm good at helping people to like figure out how to like either repurpose a song that might have been something they wrote long ago and it doesn't necessarily fit in that moment anymore. And we're like, well, what is actually happening in this moment? How can we take this beautiful melody and like rework lyrics to do the thing that you need to have happen here? Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: and and that's always exciting when that gels, you know.
0: Yeah. That was one of the things that, and I've said this to you before, that was so exciting to me working with you on King's Legacy was your, the way that you you have this great ability to be able to zoom out and zoom in at the same time right. and ask a question that lives somewhere in between that gets the writing to fill in what it's missing. Right. And I really appreciated that about our our time when we sat down together, looking at the script before the reading was coming up, and I was finishing up some of those late songs and things. You asked such good questions that were like, "What is this moment doing, uh, and and why?" But like, you asked it so much smarter and better than that.
1: <laughs> I probably literally said, "What is this moment doing, and why?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> probably, but sounds like me. I don't know. Can you, can you just give me a little bit of an insight into how you think analytically about scripts when you're reading them and how that translates into talking to the writers? Because again, you're very good. I really appreciate that.
1: Um, I mean, I, I try in, in a way. It's like, it's like a little bit of therapy for the script. It's like, well, it sounds like uh, uh,
2: <laughs>
1: this, is, this is what I'm getting. Is that a correct thing? You know, mm-hmm. and like this, hmm, I'm trying to think of how to say it. Like, I, I try to think about what it seems like the writer is going for. And then I try to think about what I'm actually getting. And if those two things aren't, are bumping up against each other, then I have a question. Okay. You know, so I know you want it to I, I know you want your sh- your show to be about this. Or I know this is the big scene where the confrontation finally happens. Here's what I'm actually getting from what you've written. And if those things match, then we're good. But if I'm like it doesn't quite feel like what you've written is as dramatic and exciting as, as the thing that you want it to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like let's go further. What are we missing? Where, where where are you afraid to go?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's, oh, thank you for bringing that down and saying it like that. That's a really great way to think about it. therapy for the script. I'm, I'm going to carry that one with me. <laughs> That's good. But
1: not for the writer. That's a different thing.
0: <laughs> That's on everybody's, uh, on their own time.
1: You do that Just once to a on your own. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Cause you know, there's, There was that song for Elizabeth in in act two that I had just written. And I remember you turning to me and saying, this song is really pretty. And I said, there's something wrong with it. And you said, it's not doing what you think it is. Um, And I was like, say more about that. And and you didn't want to be prescriptive. And I kind of pushed you to say more about it. And I'm so glad that you did because the insight you had on that song, I was like, oh. You're I don't right.
1: remember what it said. Tell me. <laughs> I have
0: no idea. Basically, uh, what, what I thought the song was doing was bringing together the things, the lessons that Elizabeth had learned from the previous queens and given a way for her to move. Like, she is coming together, seeing her path forward. And you you very smartly pointed out that it was not actually doing that but instead was feeling very passive and reflective only and that there wasn't any forward motion despite what the music was doing and you were right totally right still haven't figured out the moment but like i at least know what i'm supposed to be doing and it was sure. cuz of that conversation
1: oh so. that's cool I'm yeah, glad well, to thank it. You. yeah i i mean it's it's so hard when you're in it when you're waiting around in all of these yeah. Thoughts and ideas and lines and lyrics and music, especially if you're writing all the things. Yeah. You know, it's different when there's a team, but when it's right. just one writer writing everything, I mean, it, it's it's really hard to kind of iris out and look at the thing. Yes. Um, and I even get that way. I, I often, with a writer, I say, you know, I've I feel like we've gotten as far as we can get before we hear this out loud. Mm-hmm. Because there's a place, a time where you have to actually have people around a table or whatever to read it to you. So you can go, because you have all the like shadows left over of all the earlier ideas. And when you're just reading it on your own, all those things are in your mind. And it isn't until you actually just like look at a group of people reading a thing that you can actually tell what you have now. Yeah. Um,
2: oh, I love know.
0: that way of thinking about it. Yeah. Because you do, you carry around everything, all the previous drafts all those other ideas that may not be on the page anymore.
1: Yeah. It's like watermarked or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that, that's why there can be huge plot holes. It's sometimes like it you, you need an actor from the outside who has no experience with it to go. So why does she kill him? And you're like, well, obviously, Oh wait, we cut all of that. That's all gone now. Oh, you know, and you think it's still in there, but it's not, or you have rewritten it in such a way that it, you know, whatever you've done, it's just, it, it can be so helpful, and, and especially yeah. to, I mean, I feel like actors are the first ones to go, I'm having trouble going from here to here as an actor, and you go, oh, right, that's because we took out the thing that helped you go from there to there.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: I mean, the best thing when you're working on a new a new musical, and this happened several times in the process I just finished, is that somebody will say, I think you should cut this verse of my song, or I think that, I, you know, I don't need this half a page of scene. If an mm-hmm. actor is saying, please cut my song, or please cut my scene, you know that they really mean it, because no one ever wants their part to get smaller.
0: <laughs> right. But like, yeah. if they feel like they've said it, and they've played that action already, then like, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actors are so smart, and so well trained in what they do. And I feel like they get dismissed so often by people, like people are like, actors are dumb, or actors are a dime a dozen. I'm like, no, actors... Ah. Are they are well studied in the practice of looking at a script and pulling out of that script everything that's on the page and everything that is not on that page as well? I'd like, I hate, I
1: hate that you know, especially the commercial theater industry just sort of makes people so ha, you know have their guards up mm-hmm. so much because they're you know, there are producers who are very like, well, it's not working out today, let's just fire this, you know, like that. There's such a I think a disrespect, and I mean my most fa- my favorite part of any of it is to be in rehearsal. Yeah. You know, I just the, rehearsal is the best part always, it really
2: is.
1: and and it's because you get to be with actors and you get to mm-hmm. and, and they're so much fun to play with. And <laughs> anybody who doesn't feel that has really no business in theater.
0: Agreed. Yeah, I mean, this is what we're all here to do. Without the actors, like there isn't a thing that is happening. We are feeling nothing. Because there's no play. Um, I will also say just to having actors perform something as a writer, having the premiere production of King's Legacy, having actors actually performing these things and listening to the questions they were asking the director is exactly what led me to know that I had two gigantic plot holes. Mm. I was like, Mm. oh, huh. I should fill in those gaps. And I have yeah. since, but I didn't know because, like you said, I was so far in it, I had no idea that those things were missing. Mm-hmm. And so, I thank actors.
2: Heck yes. We need them. We love them. Um, yeah.
0: All right, so moving on to the next question here. This is a, a two-sided question. So what, would, what have you seen as your biggest um, challenge thus far in your career? And on the flip side, your greatest success. And you can define those however you'd like to define those.
1: Greatest challenge. I mean, I think being a freelance director, choreographer itself is the challenge, you know, mm-hmm. uh, trying to figure out how to build a career really out there on your own, trying to figure that out. Um, yeah. I, have, I have friends who are freelancers in other fields, and they're just like, oh, yeah, I get. It's so much more work than I can even handle you know like the graphic designer friends or the coding friends you know they're just like never not working um and I think you know trying to figure out how to like know what projects to say yes to and um how to you know make this thing go from being like in my 20s this thing that I did on the weekends and in the evenings around my day job to actually being my career and Mm -hmm. I mean that's the hardest that's the hardest part and then inside that figuring out how to be happy while you're in pursuit um that's also very hard to be like well I'm not completely satisfied in my career but I'm still a happy joyful person who every day is going to get up and keep trying um
2: yeah yeah Yeah, I mean
0: how have you found any like nuggets of wisdom that we can impart to people on, on finding that balance? Because I I mean, we, especially in theater, are so broadly taught that you are your career and whether or not you are working to find your value, which obviously we are finally beginning to pull away from. Thank you to the pandemic and having a moment to breathe. But um, have you found things that work for you?
1: I mean, I think having um, life outside of, of, of your work is really important, um, whether that's, you know, a, like an exercise regimen that you do, um, a yoga practice, uh, a social life that isn't just going to see plays. Like, yeah. I, it's funny, I mark things in my calendar in different categories and different colors. And for me, when I have to go see a play, I mark it green and green is work. Yep. blue is home is like life things mm-hmm. and so I try to think of it that way even if I'm going to see a, a show that has I just want to go see because it looks fun it still worked to me so being like what are the things that I do for me that are not that
2: mm-hmm.
1: ha- and having a you know a kind of full list of those things I think that's really helpful and important so that when the work does go away for 18 months like when a pandemic happens that you don't forget that you have value as a human yeah um it's but it's hard it is it's really hard like there are a lot of people that when you say how are you they tell you what they're working on
2: that is so true
1: <laughs> there's plenty of people who say when they Ooh. say how are you that's what they mean
0: oh man <laughs> i've never really thought about it in terms of that before well, yeah. but yeah that is very very true they will just give you the list. They will give exactly. you what their schedule is.
1: And you're like, I didn't ask that. I'm asking how you're doing.
0: Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So figuring out, well, how am I doing
2: apart from theater? I think is important. Or
1: apart from whatever your career is.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like quickly, I just want to jump onto what you said about... Um, how freelancers in other fields have seem to have a ton of work and, and we seem to kind of struggle for it uh what well, because it's not like there's a, a lack of writing out there so what do you see as being like the thing that really prevents that from becoming a job opportunity for someone like you especially who works both as director and choreographer. It seems like that should open up even more opportunities for you to to be constantly working if you want to be.
1: I mean, I, I feel like I I got to a point where I was constantly working and then the ah, pandemic hit. Got it. Um and then it's just been kind of slowly coming back. And and for me it, it was just a matter of like being diligent and working really hard and saying yes and to a lot of things and traveling hmm. a ton and just go, you know, go, go, going um you know i i directed 12th night out of town when my son was 9 weeks old you know like and i wanted cool. to i honestly it sounds insane and i don't remember a ton of it but i i really wanted to i wanted to get back to work um so i mean i think and and now for me post pandemic i'm i'm just learning like a trying to learn a balance between like finding my like hustle again Mm -hmm. but also being patient and knowing that things are coming back and opportunities are flowing
2: back to me um and so to just you know
1: chill out a little bit
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's tough (laughs) the chilling out part is tough especially when we all are itching to work because we do we do itch to work yeah um how about the flip side of that you're you're what you see is your greatest success so far in your career?
1: Huh. I mean,
2: I feel like, I
1: feel like it's my ability to make actors be brave in ways they didn't know that they could be brave. Ooh, say I've more. Had, I've had a few experiences with people who are like, like, I did not know I had it in me to do that role. Like you, you saw something in me, you trusted me. And then like, now I feel like I can fly, you know, like, and that to me is more meaningful than like the, the good review that might come from it or, you know, the applause, whatever. Like, honestly, I, I, there is a part of me that is like deeply a teacher always and forever. And Mm -hmm. because actors are constantly having to stretch themselves in, in new ways, no matter how long you've been in the business, if, if I'm able to like open something up for somebody at whatever age, and they're like, I did not know that I could do that. And now I know that I can like that to me is, is success. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah. And that, that has been meaningful to me. And especially when people come to me either in the moment or later and say that that happened to them.
2: That is a gift. That's an absolute gift. Um. Ah.
0: Like, I'm just thinking now through, like, the, the people in my life who have given me that, and I'm just so grateful for that, and for for you to know that you have that ability and can do that for people, like... I'm in awe and I, I, I think that's just so valuable
1: Yeah,
0: to be able to see that in people and then bring it out of them. Cause that that is a very difficult process and it, yeah. that's at least those two steps. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you foster that thing that you're seeing in people and get them to fulfill it, to see it for themselves?
1: I, I think it's just about like really encouraging people to bring themselves to their roles and mm. and that whatever is going on with them the self-doubt the negative talk you know whatever it is just to try to figure out how to like put that into what they're doing as opposed to to pretending like it's not there mm. um and just using whatever is actually happening for them and infusing that into the into the character and into the moments and. And then, you know, because I do comedy so much, like for me, it's always about like noticing that little nugget that that I I see the person, like I see the impulse, but it's not quite getting realized yet and being like, ooh, that, let's tease that out. And so I hope that like a lot of what I give to people is coming from something that's already kind of brewing in them and me giving them permission. Yeah. Um, And then, cause when actors have permission, then they really like, release and that's when the best stuff happens. yeah um, and so so seeing that's the spark of an idea and going, yes, that. Yeah. Go further. Go further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's exciting to me because it it means I don't have to think of everything. And I can just go, yes, do that thing you want to do.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: Oh, and how about we add this thing to that? Oh my God, now it's so funny and everyone's laughing and the actor feels great. You know? Uh-huh. hmm
0: do you ever uh this is a kind of departure, but uh do you ever in the comedy process when you know that there's like there's a beat, there's a bit of lotsie here that's gotta happen. Um, do you ever just like do a bunch of things that don't work at all and see if you can like sift through the mire to find the thing, or do you always wait for the actors to to bring something to it first and then say, yes, let's explore that more? I'd
1: say oh. the answer to that question is yes. Okay. So Great. it just sort of depends on what we're doing and how it's going. Um sometimes there are actors who come in and give you every time you hit a scene, they give you like a bunch of different options. And I can be like, you know what? Tuesday, let's do that thing from Tuesday. It was this. Mm. And they're like, great. Or there are people who like are very funny, but like, you know, just need a little, imagine this, try this, how about that? And then Mm -hmm. they will knock it out every time. It just sort of depends um, on the person, on how their creativity works. And then also how willing the writer is to kind of play around with the actor too. Because sometimes it may be like, just let's just use a synonym for that word, or let's put that at the end of the line you know, like little changes or like, you know, we need half as many words here or we need twice as many words here, whatever the thing is like. And so I love being on my feet and like standing there kind of between the writer at the table and the actor on the stage and being like, ooh, ooh, ooh what if, what if? And then we just sort of play and, and, and try stuff until it's the most funny. Or if it's not a comedy, just the most interesting. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah.
0: What I love about that is it sounds like the way you work with performers is very similar to the way you work with writers. And like, you're here to facilitate the best of whatever this conversation is.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: find it and bring it out.
1: Mm-hmm. And I wanted to feel like it came from the person because it's much easier to recreate something that came out of you than it is to do a thing that you think will please your boss. Ooh, yeah. You know, that's and that's also point. a lot of how I choreograph too. I I love to be at music rehearsal, um, because I like watching how the actors get the music into their bodies when they're singing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, obviously, there's a lot of sitting, and it's harder to tell. But once they're standing up and they're trying out the songs, the way that people like naturally move as they start to sing, I see how they move. A and B. I see what the music is doing for them, and that often gives me a lot of choreographic idea. Or even when they're just like hearing a song and they're just like dancing around and being silly. Cause nobody's looking. I'm sometimes looking and I'm getting ideas.
2: Oh, that's fun.
0: <laughs> so does that mean that you as a choreographer don't always come into the process with like into, to a rehearsal day with something that is set, is there always room for flexibility based on what you've thought about at home in front of your mirror or?
1: It really depends. Okay. Um, I would say that I choreograph 100% from like the character. Um, I like, uh, and that's why I love doing both because as I conceive of the character and then choose actors who might have a similar take and then we build it together, I wanna see how that character is gonna move and express themselves. and, and so that's why seeing how the actor is inspired by the music is so important um, because then it's natural. And and also like, if this is not a character who would dance, but they're dancing because it's a musical, how how do they move? Right. You know, and and those are questions that are really fun to explore. And so sometimes I'll have like, I've done all different things. Sometimes I just choreograph on the fly. I'm just like, I come in with, completely open and I just like kind of make stuff up as we go and then actors kind of can fill it in uh sometimes if I have 20 people on a stage and it's a big complicated number I will set here's the thing here's the thing here's the thing and then I might change it later or maybe it never changes you know I've done mm-hmm. I've done all different but it you know obviously the larger and larger the cast gets the more you need to plan because you've got so many sure. moving parts and pieces um but for me, it always has to come out of like a natural way of it evolving, just like the comedy, just like the comedy would. And often just the more I hear this song when it's, a you know, because I do mostly new musicals as I'm hearing the songs, like even if it's out of focus, I'm just like starting to see the movement of it in my head. And sometimes I really need to write that down. And sometimes I can just come in and just sort of know what it is. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it depends. It's weird. <laughs>
0: But I love that so much. Like I love hearing how people's brains work in general, but especially because you we get to hear from writers, you know, them going through that similar process of like, yeah, I don't know. This one just kind of was in my head. It came to me. I saw it in like numbers or colors or staff, and then I wrote it and it was magic, you know. But I don't think we ever get to hear that really from people who do movement. Like
1: I have like a compositional brain. Um, you know, as an art history minor in college, like I'm, I, I see kind of the stage picture, whether it's a proscenium or not. It's sort of like a giant canvas, and I see the the colors and the movement and the figures and the and the set and the way everything kind of flows together. And sometimes I just understand something about how a number is going to be, just in my head.
2: <laughs> so is that like spatial and kinesthetic? What you're? Uh-huh. Yeah. I can't do that. That is, that's the can one thing. You
1: music and I can't do that. <laughs>
2: ha! Fair enough. But,
0: but I can hear
1: your song and go, I know exactly how everyone needs to move to that.
0: That's so cool. This is, this is what I love about directors and choreographers <laughs> in particular is because my brain doesn't work spatially. Like, I hate that question that writers get, which is, how do you envision this on stage? I'm like, I don't.
1: Yeah, and that's valid.
0: Like, I know it'll be great on stage, yeah. but I'm visually visualizing the story. You yeah. tell me what you see.
1: You're like, I'm seeing notes in this in my eyes when I close my eyes. There's
0: lots of color, yeah. but but no, nothing spatial. That's so cool, mm-hmm. man. I would sometimes really want to just like dig into people's brains, <laughs> but
1: just like just like I kind of work a little improvisationally when it comes to the scene work, like I feel like that makes sense to me to work that way choreographically as well. Sure. And so sometimes I'll just do like kind of a broad sketch of, of the, of the dance. And then, and then I'll, I'll, actors can play inside of it and find the more, you know, we'll get more and more refined as we go and I'll go, Oh, that thing, that thing you're doing, that's great. Let's put that in between those two sections, you know, and like mm-hmm. we just sort of find it together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. So this
0: is making me wonder then because you you often do work as director choreographer combo yes yeah um do you even separate out then in your brain when you are thinking about the movement of the piece as a whole No? no no
1: it's all one thing for me um and I mean like there's a there's a few dance styles that I I could not do like I I can't choreograph tap I just don't mm. have the skills for that. I I can't choreograph like ballroom dancing. So if I was ever doing a big tap show or um or a ballroom <laughs> musical, um I would absolutely need a separate choreographer for those those numbers. But I, for me, it's it's just the movement of the show. It, it comes into my brain in the same way that like, what would the scenic design would be. Mm. Um. This makes a lot and, of sense. You know, and sometimes when I'm thinking of scenic design, I think, oh, I know exactly what this thing looks like. And sometimes I just have a feeling. And then the designer that I work with is able to translate that feeling into something concrete. Um, that I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. I couldn't have pictured that, but that's totally what it is.
0: Bad <laughs> luck um, yeah, love when people mm-hmm. can find the intention behind what we were trying to make happen. Yeah. That's magic.
1: Yeah, and there's designers that I work with I've worked with enough that when I'm being super specific, they're like, great. And when I'm being like, you know, it just sort of feels like it's about these three words. And okay. They're like, awesome. And they sketch something and I'm like, there it is. <laughs> or I'm like, no, the opposite of that. And then we're <laughs> fine.
2: Right, right. Yeah. That
1: and happened so- with, uh, with Tim Maccabee, the set designer, he and I worked together a lot and we did mm-hmm. um, tiny beautiful things at uh, Merrimack Rep in 2019. And I remember when I first went to him, you know, Tim came back with like a hyper realistic set of like a living room that flows into a kitchen. And it was it was a lot like what we had talked about. And then I was like, no, it's the opposite of this. And then we went for something that was much more like interesting and representational and and really cool. Um, it, It took me seeing. His model to go. Let's go 180 from there. Interesting. Yeah, that's sort of off, off your topic, but
2: yes, but no, because all
1: one
0: thing. It it is all one thing. I mean, something that that is really coming through so strongly for me today in in talking to you about all of this is that I can see more clearly now why. Um, grounded intention and flow of storytelling are just so important to you in the work that you do because just understanding your brain more that makes so much sense that that's where your focus is and I as a writer I love that because you know these are the things that I'm constantly worried about are (laughs) grounded intentions in the flow of the story um Yeah, I I don't know that there's a question there. I think it was mostly. I mean, all of it comes
1: out of the text, and whether if that text is songs or if it's spoken language, whatever it is, like all of the ideas just spring out of out of that material. Hmm. And so for me, those ideas are choreographic. They're, you know, scenic. They're costumes. They're everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that but that's why. Like, I almost don't understand what it must be like to be a director who doesn't also choreograph because it the way the music makes us move, it's all one thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's, I don't know. I, now I'd be curious to like sit down with a round table of, of directors and be like, all right, y'all, talk, <laughs> go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but again, is there...
1: everyone's brain everyone's brain works so differently. And my, I see that, but not, you know, Other directors, their skills are, are much, are just, it's a different, you can be, have the same job and have a brain that works differently.
0: Totally. Absolutely. I mean, oh my gosh, as a performer, I don't think any two directors I've ever worked with have been the same or thought like super close to one another.
1: Right.
0: Um, And every piece calls for something different and every production calls for something different. So uh, it's, it's helpful to have that kind of variety across the field. Um here's a question for you. Is there a piece that you've worked on that I'll give you two choices with it? Either when you think on it, you uh you look back with a a great deal of fondness for some particular reason, or uh one that gives you like that swelling of pride feeling for the work you did.
1: Oh, I mean this is like whenever I get asked like a a favorite production kind of question in that way, I always think of uh, the elaborate entrance of Chad deity. Okay. It's a play. It's not a musical. Um, It's by Chris Diaz and it's about professional wrestling. And I mean, it might as well be a musical in the sense that it is all, it's so much spectacle Mm. um, because in the way that professional wrestling is spectacle. Um, But (laughs) this play was a finalist for the Pulitzer prize in 2009. I mean, it's an excellently written play that has you know the story of pro wrestlers at its core and it was something that I loved from the second I read it and it's an all-male cast and I was like what's that gonna be like? Are they gonna listen to me? Like I don't know. Um and it has this huge piece in it that is is the wrestling and you know we did the production at Oslo Rep and then we did it at in, in Sarasota, Florida, and then we did it at um Miami new drama in mm. Miami and uh it's like I'm just so proud of that show and I will be forever um because I think it stretched the actors in ways that they did not expect and you know it, when we were in Sarasota we got an extra week of rehearsal that was just for wrestling we didn't even open the script that whole week we just learned wrestling from an actual pro wrestler that's so cool yeah. <laughs> it was so cool yeah um, and, and I think that that show really allowed me to use so many parts of myself as a director and person. And I think it was the case for, for the actors and the designers as well. And so I just, I kind of use that always as my like beacon show.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Wow, yeah. I, I don't think we ever talked about that show before. This all sounds very new to me. Um. Mm-hmm. What an interesting and cool experience. There's, I have so many questions. <laughs> but what was that like to have, not only, it's not like you're just bringing in a consultant on wrestling. You've got someone teaching a skill like that. That is yeah. so, you know, related to theater, of course, but not in the realm of what we learn. As, and as that guy was football.
1: in the show too. Oh,
2: that's so freaking
1: cool. Yeah. So there's like a track for an actual wrestler. Uh, or a stunt guy. Yeah. But he plays three different wrestlers and he he's like, he's on stage a lot. Yeah. It was so cool. Um, because you know, I grew up watching pro wrestling on TV as a kid and I always loved it. And I was a gymnast as a kid. That's sort of like where my whole choreographic thing comes from. And so I've always loved like physical feats of daring. <laughs> let's <laughs> just say. And uh what was your question? I guess lost it. Uh,
0: just about what was it like to work with someone who was coming in to teach a skill like oh, that. God, to it a was cast. Awesome.
1: And, yeah. Oh, and he, he had so much like respect for, for like the craft of theater, mm. even though it wasn't his world. Um. And, but then he had this less like encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge of wrestling. So it was a really, a really cool give and take because we, I think we taught him a lot and then he taught us so much. Um, you know, and in that wrestling week, we would wrestle for, like, the first half of rehearsal, have a lunch break, and then come back and, like, watch documentaries about wrestling <laughs> because we were all so sore. I learned it, too, because I didn't want to ask them to do stuff that I wouldn't try.
0: Oh, I love that. As a leader of a ship. heck yeah.
1: And we worked out every day together. Well, six days a week. Good. So
0: oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> what a way to do bonding. That <laughs> <it> was great. <laughs> um... I also have to ask, like, how did, how was this staged? I mean, wrestling needs some space.
1: Yeah. Well, it was, it was in a traditionally proscenium theater that was in both times that was rebuilt to become a, a three-quarter for us. So there were Ooh. seats put on, on the, uh, on the sides. And the first act doesn't have a ring in it, or okay. at least ours didn't. And then like all the wrestling is in the second act. And so it had to like, and the, uh, an actor had to enter, like I had him riding in the ring, like Cleopatra on her barge, and it got like brought out into the space, and then there's so much wrestling in act two. Um, and it just it was wild.
0: That's so cool.
1: Yeah. So so much, so much spectacle in tech.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's reminded me uh I didn't get to see Rocky on Broadway, but it's reminded me of like that shift, that yeah. major shift when when suddenly the boxing ring was needed. Yeah.
1: Oh, I saw that. I loved it.
0: I heard very good things. Yeah, was I was sad I missed that one actually. But
1: it was fun being at a Broadway show and getting to jump up and down and yelling. And...
0: <laughs> <laughs> we it's true, we don't get to do that a lot. Not in the
2: theater. Um uh, uh,
0: is there well, okay. You said earlier. That you named a whole bunch of shows that made an impression on you when you were younger. You said Lay Miz when you were a kid, and then you you had mentioned both Rent and Tommy for when you were close was that close to was that college or age? Teenager and on. It was yeah. teenager and on. Okay. Um was there a show in particular that like you feel like made an impression on the way you do your art?
2: Hmm.
1: it's hard to say because there's so many
2: sure yeah um
1: so it's always hard to like that question because it's you can't like boil it down to like oh this sh- this show made me who i am you know? <laughs> um but i feel like i mean and bogart's play a production of um chuck me's play bob Rauschenberg america okay uh like this Play about an abstract artist, you know, like that just blew my mind. The way that they work together, um, I would say seeing Fiona Shaw play Medea, which is again not comedy, but like seeing that performance made me go like, "Oh, crap, okay." Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even if I know what's going to happen at the end, my mind can be completely blown. Yeah. Um, this know- is
0: such a tangent. Real quick, do you listen to the Sparkfile podcast? They just did an episode about this like two weeks ago about that Medea. Oh my god. Just throwing it out there just to spark for you. But please I, continue.
1: I like they the usher had to tell me to leave at the end. I just I went by myself and I like couldn't, I just sat there at the end. I was like, uh. um, you know, um, and then I'd say that my main mentor in grad school, Chris Bays, who's a clowning and commedia dell'arte master. Um, getting to assist and direct him on a, on several shows and just be in the world of his comedy like mm. that was like working with him and witnessing and helping with his productions really really empowered me comedically mm. and like oh oh like oh right I I have what I do my kind of comedy isn't exactly the same as his and that's okay but I can have the confidence to like explore comedy deeply in the way you know and that's valid and actually it took me a while to kind of realize it but like oh like I that I have a lot of value I add to the industry as a director of comedy yeah because you're sort of waiting around being like who am I what makes me special like what what is my thing what's you know like you don't it takes so long to kind of figure it out yeah um and and to be like oh not everyone likes to do this and not everyone can do this. And that's, that's very true. Like and it is something that I love deeply and, and have some facility with.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: That's a beautiful answer. I love that. Yeah, I, it is a tough question. I mean, there there are so many things that inspire us and shape who we are as artists as we go through. But I think that was a really lovely way to to describe it. and being good at comedy as a director is tough to begin with like that is a special thing that's a unique thing but i also want to throw out there that the fact that you are a director choreographer who does comedy very well i think it just adds that little extra layer of flavor and and uniqueness um like i recommend you all the time to people oh, so.
1: thank you. <laughs> I'd say I've said this, I think, to even to you before that I have this like Venn diagram of interest and one of the circles is comedy and one is magic. And sometimes they overlap completely, you know, and in that little cross section, <laughs> you know, like Midsummer Night's Dream, it's literally both. But right. then there's there's shows that are just like way in the comedy circle and they're just so silly and over the top. And then like like starting up is and then there's ones that are much more into the magical category. and Maybe it's not as funny, but it like lives in this kind of it's magical because of how the story is told or like the way we need to use stagecraft to get the story across Mm. um and it's just magic and and i am very happy in those in those circles yeah
0: yeah and i think those are where my taste lies as an audience member too so I, i want something that's somewhere in one of those two realms Preferably where it crosses over, but it yeah. doesn't cross over as much as yeah. probably. Like,
1: and that wanted. doesn't mean I don't want to go and see the amazing Arthur Miller play on Broadway. Like, I love to do that. It's just not necessarily what you're going to hire me for. Fair
2: enough. Right.
1: But if it's done well, like Brian, Den- I saw Brian Dennehy in Death of a Salesman a million years ago, and it blew my mind. You know, yeah. like, um, and it taught me so much, actually. It's mm-hmm. just. Not necessarily what I'm going to
0: produce as a director, totally, yeah, that makes sense where where we are taste wise as audience members isn't always an exact match for the art that we make, which is good. it shouldn't be yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. um- uh speaking uh as, as someone who does pretty much exclusively new work, and since writers mostly watch this channel, is there? It doesn't have to be like a piece of advice necessarily, but is there something that um, you feel like writers should know or be aware of when they are talking to a director who they hope to to get on board for their piece? Is there something that comes to mind for you?
1: I think it's good to be clear with directors about where you think the project is at that point when you Mm -hmm. start working with them at about what you're hoping to get from your relationship with that writer. I think it's good to know those things and to share those things. Um, You know, you may just be like, I have an idea for a thing. Can you be my buddy as I get this going and can I send you drafts? You know, or you can say, I've been workshopping this for six years. I've parted ways with my last director. I'm looking for someone new to take it into production. It's done. Like maybe there'll be some tweaks. But I'm you know, I think, or you know, I'm not sure what I have. I'm looking for someone who can can tell me what they think I have, mm. and I'm very open to to rewrites. But I think like the more clear a writer can be with what they hope to get out of the relationship and where they are, like emotionally and uh, with the script, I think the better. because um, I find that my most successful partnerships are with people who who I know what they want from me and they are mm-hmm. willing to accept what I have to give them. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. It and also... Okay.
1: you feel like it's done and you're not going to be doing any more rewriting, then I know, okay, I'm going to read this as a thing that's finished and I'm going to decide if I think it's finished. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There, There's a... um Man it requires a level of both self-awareness for for your writing and your project but also a vulnerability to get to that state and be like hi this is here's my child yeah. um this is the stage my child is in please help <laughs> right yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: um it, when you have those conversations with writers what, what does that tend to look like? Because I know the kind of, <laughs> I was going to say bedside manner, not the words I wanted to use, but I, I know the, the the way you speak with writers is so uh, grounded and gentle and lovely. Um, but I, I'm sure that a lot of writers are scared going into those conversations. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, it's scary to share your work with somebody at all. And yeah. I think mm. it's really important to feel if there's a, a vibe. Mm. Like, honestly, even more like let's say that there's like three directors who are all like oh they seem very smart and I have and I like what they do like choose the person that you feel like you a want to spend the most time with because it really does become an intimate relationship um and b who like you leave your interactions with them feeling good you know um, because they are going to say things that you don't necessarily want to hear, or they're going to say things that are going to cause you to have to go and do work, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and, and obviously trust takes time to build, mm-hmm. but like, it's it's just important to, to find someone who you feel gets you. Mm-hmm. Um, something I always say to writers is like, this is not, I did not write this. This is yours. I'm gonna work with you to to try to make this the best thing that it can be, Um, and to and to help you know shepherd you in the direction that you are trying to go, and maybe reveal things to you that you didn't expect, but like help make this the best version of your thing that I can. This isn't. I'm not gonna take this and make this my show about Anne Boleyn,
2: right?
1: Because my show about Anne Boleyn might be totally different than this, and Mm. that's okay but I'm here to help you make your Anne Boleyn musical the best that it can be. Right. Um, and even though that sounds, you'd think that's implied, I think it's important to say. Um, and I was actually just talking to, to Garrett and he goes, I remember when you said that to me when we first zoomed and he's like, and I, I remember we hung up and I, and he was saying to his brother, who's our producer, like, I love that she said that. And I'm like, good. <laughs> it's good to hear that feedback. Cause I always say it. Um,
0: Yeah, I remember you saying this to me in the lobby of a hotel when we met the first time.
1: Yeah, it was a very cool lobby. It was great. Um, you know, but I've certainly, like, you were talking about the importance of self-reflection, and I think that it's really important for writers because you should not engage a director if what you want is just to be told this is very nice, good job. You know, you might get that too, but then there's going to be an and right. let's look at act two, <laughs> you know, yes. um, be, and and that can be scary, but I think anybody can like write something it's, it's, can you, can you rewrite it? Can you rewrite Oof. it? Can you really get in there? Um, yeah. That's, that's the scary part. Um, and that's the, that's the hardest work. Um, so. Uh,
2: what a beautiful answer.
0: Turn white everybody. I mean well, not,
1: I mean I've I've definitely worked with writers who are like, oh I made a ton of changes and I'm like, I see like a cannot that has become a can't. <laughs> or <laughs> who, if I if I suggest anything that's larger than making that cannot into a can't, they're gonna feel like, whoa, you know. Sure. And and, and that's happened before too. Like not every experience I've had has been perfect and you know, a hundred percent fruitful. You know, it's
2: it's okay. it's uh
1: you know it's it's a, such an important relationship and mm-hmm. and I think that you got to be really good at also about talking about what you need yes to treat your director just like in any relationship you have to talk about how you need to be treated and what you need that yeah. it's never good to hold things in and just if if you're like oh this person's being too prescriptive or this person's not being harsh enough or they're being too harsh or whatever the feeling is like just be like hey you know what really works for me is x y and z yep
2: Yep, so I mean, just
1: like I'm moving on from you, you know.
0: <laughs> right, right. This is something that um, I feel like we first of all don't teach people enough, generally speaking. But it's something that I'm really trying to cultivate more in the musical theater writing collective because we we do our labs, biweekly labs, and uh, like the the central component of that is the workshop room. Like people can bring in things for feedback. And yes, we follow a very specific feedback process to make sure we're centering the writer and their thoughts and their goals. But it gives absolute freedom for people to say, here's the way I want my feedback. Okay. It's like, great, you need to know what works for you. Or and if you don't know, let's, let's have you try some things out and see what does and doesn't. Because that is just, you're going to need it for every working relationship as that stuff gets produced or workshopped moving forward so i think that's brilliant advice
1: yeah um and you can feel really precious about stuff but like you can't actually be precious about stuff
2: sure yeah yeah like do
0: i still get a little bit sad when i think about some of the songs on the cutting room floor i do
1: and then you'll have your cabaret night and you'll like all the lost songs
0: Here's 40 songs. Here
1: Here they are, you know, on the DVD extras of your life. (laughs)
0: There it is. (laughs) Or maybe I'll remove lyrics and repurpose the music at some point. There you go. Um, Lovely. Well, uh, shall shall we go to our our wrap-up questions? Sure. I'm sure
1: anyone who's been listening to this is very tired of hearing me talk by now.
0: (laughs) Oh, gosh, no. I'm sure anyone who's listening to this is like... This lady's smart. Can she say more, please? <laughs> um and the answer is my yes. grandma Follow. would say,
1: from your lips to God's ears.
0: <laughs> um what is your uh favorite non-theatrical activity?
1: Oh, like my secret hobby is that I'm I love water skiing. What? Mm-hmm. No way. I like never get to do it. But yeah, I I went to a summer camp where I learned water skiing and then I worked at that summer camp and taught water skiing That's and awesome. then I worked at Club Med after I graduated college and taught no water way. skiing in French to French people. And it's like a thing I never get to do cuz I live in New York City, but every every once in a while someone will be like, "I have a ski boat."
0: That's awesome. "Wait, do you speak fluent French?"
1: I used to be like very fluent and now I'm like I'd say crappy at it, but I I still, you know, I have it all in there.
0: That's so cool. I've been like trying to relearn French, so I just got stoked by that. But oh my God. <laughs> Water skiing, huh? Yeah. You know, the thought of it terrifies
2: me, but it looks so fun. Oh,
1: you just you fine. <laughs> I teach you. <laughs> I, I haven't lost a patient yet. <laughs>
0: You know, and I would trust you to be the one to teach me. So Maybe I'll conquer that fear sometimes.
1: At Club Med, I taught like a 75-year-old Dutch guy who was deaf and did not speak English and did not speak French. And I taught him just with gestures. And he learned. Okay. Okay.
2: That gives me confidence.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) That'd be a lot of fun. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Is there a story that you really want to tell that you've not been able to yet in your career, whether that's like a show that hasn't been written yet. You want to tell, or if there's like a personal story of some Yes,
1: I want to do a musical about my great, great uncle, my great grandfather's brother, who was a drag performer in the twenties.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. I'm in.
1: And he was, he was married to a man. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, he also was in, um, he was in Mae West's play, The Pleasure Man on Broadway that ran for one night because the city of New York closed it down and arrested all of them.
2: Okay, this is this is a
0: cool story. Yes, please. Oh, about,
1: my, about my uncle, Uncle Louie.
0: Oh, that's so cool. Um, Wow, yeah, you are, are you going to write that one?
1: Well, I, I probably would want to co-write the book of that um, but I, I am still looking for my collaborators. Hmm. I don't know who I'm going to write work on that with. Well,
0: uh, I hear there's a whole collective of writers somewhere.
1: I don't know where. <laughs>
0: Crazy. Oh, that's fantastic. I very much look forward to hearing more about that. Um, you've truly piqued my interest. <laughs> like, I want that for the story.
1: And uh, uh, and it, it's been said here on this on this video whatever so it's no one can steal my idea because it's here for posterity
0: It's it's been said um wonderful and all right one more question which is is there something in life that you love or are particularly proud of
2: that you just don't get to talk about often oh i don't know like what
0: Oh, I know. I I don't know. Um, uh, for some people, it's it's uh like people that they don't get to talk about often, or uh activities they do, or little things that they just haven't gotten the opportunity to speak about because of the nature of the kinds of work we do. I don't know. No,
1: oh, I don't know. I mean, oh. I I'm proud. I don't know. I'm proud of I have these two children at this my house that I gave birth to. I'm pretty proud of them.
0: Yeah. Be, cool. that that's legit. Yeah. <laughs> that is very legit. Um
1: Yeah. The little I'm proud of you too. The little one who's three, she got herself dressed for school today
2: hey. by herself. She's three. Oh my she god. She just turned
1: three on Saturday
2: oh on saturday
1: yeah
2: you gave birth that fast after our reading yeah wow yeah why did i feel like there was more
0: time before that happened no no No. because we were
1: a few days after thanksgiving that year
0: yeah that's less than two weeks after we were done wow
1: yeah
2: Oh, oh look at that three
1: years old yeah
2: yeah my heart my heart Well, i I think
0: kids is a lovely answer
1: but i don't do i don't do a ton of talking about them in professional context because people's is sexist
0: (laughs) what never heard of it
2: what um
0: great well thank thank you for for this conversation today i mean you dropped a lot of really great wisdom, and you're just so lovely and smart and wonderful. And I appreciate you and your time. And is is there a place where you're lovely
1: we? Lovely, smart, and wonderful. Oh, stop it! And I'm excited for when you actually record this.
0: Oh, yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, <laughs> that will be next. We will uh, go through all these questions again. This It'll was a great.
1: really good rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, is there a place where we can all find your work and follow you?
1: Well, I am on Instagram, you know.
0: Ooh.
1: Wyman
0: Jen is Wyman a very cool Jen. handle. Great. Very Great.
1: creative. <laughs> I'm ratty and Michael. I have a so. website, that I need to update.
0: Ah, perfect. Yeah. I'll I'll put those in the description for anyone watching. You can cool. find find Jen and and link up and follow what else she's up to. Um, yeah, so thank you again for being here. You are truly really the best.
1: You're the best.
0: And uh, thank you all for watching today. And I, I hope that if you enjoyed the video, you will like and subscribe and check out our other interviews so far. We've got more coming up every other week. Um, so thank y'all for being here with us today. And we'll see you again soon. Cheers, everybody. Bye. Thank you all for being here with me today. And I'll see you again soon.